Welcome everybody to the Latin Card Podcast, episode 37. We're almost at the big 5-0. And we couldn't do it without the support of our sponsors over on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Latin Card Podcast, where you will not only get exclusive access to a lot of early content um, of Latin Card Podcast, but you will also now get access to our ad-free episodes. Right? We love our sponsors so much, we thought of a better way to include them in the episodes. So now we're going to do ad readings in the middle of this episode. You may find them interjected at certain points of the episode. It's only to show our support for our sponsors who continue to keep this show thriving. If you would like ad-free content now, go to patreon.com forward slash Latin Escort podcast where you will not only get early access to our episodes, such as the Fightcast episodes, which are doing great. We love doing them. But also ad-free content. All of the episodes will be uploaded without any of those pesky, annoying, we love you though, ads. Okay. Thank you so much to our Patreons over on Patreon. These are the Mas Chingones of the week. Justin, the Mas Chingones. Shout out to Francis, creator of the Francis Sweep. He's going to win worlds with that technique. Shout out to Nick Schaefer. ISS is already in theaters. Go see it right now. If you haven't seen it, stop watching the show. Go see it. Shout out to anonymous user number one. He works for every single intelligence agency in America. Shout out to Esteban Gonzalez, our number, my number one favorite uh, student. Shout out to Jason Roy. We couldn't do the show without him. Shout out to CGF. Michael Baidu, BGJ The Plug, Jeff Starr, YouTube.com slash Not Bad Films. The best. Shout out to Matt Diaz, my favorite blue belt student, right? There is no other blue belt that I respect more than Matt Diaz. Shout out to Harry McCarthy. He's guts himself from Berserk. Every Ooh. single time I see Harry McCarthy, I see guts from Berserk. That's a fact. And he's in your Griffith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to our Machine Guns of the Week. Today we got a very special episode. We got our greatest of all time episode in every weight class, but we also have the worst of all time. For all the haters, refer to the tag at the beginning of the pod. So we're, <laughs> we're going to go over each individual weight class and talk about our greatest of all time, starting with the IBJJF weight classes, right? I think if we miss any weight classes, there's a million of them out there, right? They have Naga weight classes. They have ADCC weight classes. They go up by they grappling and shoes weight seven classes. kilos. They go up by 13 pounds. They go up by 15, whatever it is. We're going by the IBJJF weight classes. So if you want more details, whenever we say rooster weight, featherweight, middleweight, whatever, go to ibjf.com forward slash weight classes. I don't even know if that's a real URL. Just go Google it. Also, it's right. not that serious. Yeah. So we're going to start off in the rooster weight class. I don't even think Grahalas knows any a single athlete who's under <laughs> 168 pounds. Only Raymundo Gonzalez. <laughs> um, I had that one ready so to I go. Guess, I guess we'll start with the, are we going to go male or are we going to go division and, and, and gender? So rooster for male and female or? I guess we'll go where they intersect, right? right. So is there a, a smaller weight class than male rooster weight? No. No, no. I mean, are we doing women? Like, are we going to go through all the men first and then go to the women? Or are we doing uh, each weight class and gender? Well, what I wanted to do is that I wanted to um, go over each weight class. Okay. Um, yeah, regardless yeah. of gender. All right. Right. Yeah. So if. We're going over the rooster weight class, which I believe is 121 and no 127 pounds even yeah. in the gi. And if that is also has a correlating weight class in the female division. Um, so for the women's, yeah, I hear I pulled it up. Um, the men's rooster's 50, uh, so it's 126.8 pounds. Okay. For the women's is 106. But they're still classified as rooster weight, right? Yes. Yeah, the names um, are still the same. So, okay, like, so for the women, the closest weight class to 126, it would be their featherweight, which is 129. All right, so we'll just we'll just do. Each weight class as it's labeled. Okay. Right? Yeah, so, so like more like weight. pound for pound. Yeah, yeah, Okay, cool. Okay. So <clears throat> rooster weight in the men's division. I, I will go first. It has to go to Bruno Malfazzini. It has to, right? 
He's yeah. he's a ten time champ, or is it eleven time now? I mean, he's the million time champ. Well, if the, if that's what he's you every want. champ. Um, all right, I'll let you finish. Okay, he's a million time champ. I mean, sure, everybody's gonna be like, oh, but he got beat by Mikey. Oh, this and the third. He didn't. He hasn't won in like four or five years. It doesn't matter. Everybody says that like Michael Jordan's the champ because he got the double three peat, right? It's um, Bruno Marfacini has the the ten peat. Ten peat. How can you beat that? You can't. He's the greatest of all time. Roost away, and unless anybody else has that same amount of success in the similar weight class, they can't. They can't beat him, right? What about you, Jabani? Mikey. Mikey's the greatest Mike, rooster weight. Rooster weight. So <clears throat> that's it's I'm glad you used the Michael analogy, right? So I think part of Michael's thing is like during those double three peats, nobody was able to beat him. And then when he took a break and he just came back, and uh, so obviously there wasn't that competition where Malfasine was that dog. So he might have been Michael, but here came Mikey, and Mikey could be considered LeBron. Quick shout out to our sponsors, all of you, all of our listeners, especially on patreon.com forward slash Latinx podcast. This show would not be possible without all of the generous benefactors on patreon.com forward slash Latinx podcast. If you would like exclusive benefits to the show, such as a shout out at the front end of the show for the Mas Chingon tier or at the back end of the show for the Chingons of the Week tier, that's not all you get. You also get exclusive early access to a bunch of our episodes, namely the Fightcast episodes. If you want to listen to them a week early while everybody's crying in their bedroom wondering why we haven't uploaded an episode please go to patreon.com forward slash nascar podcast you will also get exclusive ad free episodes on the show it's a pain to edit i basically have to edit the show twice but it's all worth it for you guys and all of our chingones of the week and the mass chingones of the week go to patreon.com forward slash nascar podcast to support the show let's get back to the episode Right, so we didn't get to see that in basketball where Andrew who we did, and I'm gonna go with Mikey. Mikey beat him, what was it, twi- once, twice? I don't know. He's beat him a few times. He he dethroned him, and he continues to beat him. That also, I just want to asterisk. I do not support a lot of Mikey's recent antics on social media. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, no, word. Mikey Musmeshi, this message for you. Stop doing those pizza pickup lines, bro. So, that's crazy. Giovanni's <laughs> um, yeah, pro bullying. That's what he's trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> he's down with Sneeko. <laughs> like, oh no, 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 no! Not down with Sneeko at all. Also, <laughs> not not with either of them. They're both cringe. But yeah, um, Mikey's definitely gonna be my all-time rooster weight. Um, okay, so I I think for a large part of this episode, it's gonna be a lot of me agreeing or just like not having going too far off the script because I don't follow competitive jujitsu as much as you guys. So a lot of my I think interjections, especially when it comes to this one, is going to be just like general sports fan stuff, which is when we talk about greatness and we're talking about who's the best, are we talking about who has the strongest career overall in comparison to what they did for their time, right? Because that's what like greatness means. That's what to a lot of people what greatness means. Or are we talking about who is the best full stop right now? Yeah. That if you were to take them, put them, with in, the the, death pit. Put them in the death pit, with the time machine, who would win? Because those answers aren't the same. Yeah. Like, if you're going to say that Muhammad Ali is the greatest boxer of all time, and many people believe that, that doesn't mean that you're saying that if you took him from whatever year that you wanted to take him from, yeah. and then 1963, fought, and make yeah. him fight Vladimir Klitschko from 2006, well, it's like, you might believe that Vladimir Klitschko would kill him in a, in, yeah. a, in a boxing match, but that doesn't mean that you think that Vladimir Klitschko has a, had a better career than him. Yeah. Because those are two different things. Like, these sports are evolving. They're young sports. Strength and development has like gone through like massive um massive innovations over like the last few decades and so these questions are going to be different even 
in this situation where you're comparing two people who have competed with each other and who are both contemporaries, like historically people aren't going to be like, oh, they were from different eras because there's not that much of an age difference between them. But um, I think when it comes to greatness, like my definition of greatness is just like overall career strength. And when it comes to that, I'm going to have to say Bruno Malfacine because I mean, he did it 10 times. And that doesn't mean that Michael Musumeshi has to do it 10 times. For sure. But I, I definitely do think that it means more to do it for that long. Yeah. Unless you're going to say that there was an, and he was competing against a bunch of bums back then because the smallest weight classes have the same problem that the biggest weight classes do, even though people don't want to believe it, which is when there's a smaller number of people, there's a lot more bums. And it's right. funny to be like, oh, the heavyweights are bums. They're a bunch of fat fucks. Look at them. They don't know how to do jujitsu. They don't know how to do whatever. And it's, and then look at these guys who are like 115 pounds and be like, oh, technical, amazing, all this shit. And there's just a bunch of little tiny spazzes. And there's 10 of them. So it's like, well, if you're, if you can make a hundred, if you, if you weigh 118 pounds, you're one of the 15 best ones in the world because there's not a lot of you. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'll softly cast my vote for Malfacine. Okay. <laughs> Very softly. So I also agree with Grahala's like, um, there's two widely, I guess, um, contended definitions of like greatest of all time, where one of them is like who had the greatest career by far. And if you look at like some preposterous boxing records, like Julio Cesar Chavez, for sure, he's like 108 and nine or some shit. And but if you look at like the first 70 of his fights, they're like bar brawls, right? They're like he was he was literally at like El Gran Pollo in like Tijuana, Mexico, and then he knocks some dude out who like threw he a knocked beer out bottle. the bouncer. He knocked out the bouncer. That's it. Now he was 51 and zero, right? Yeah. So. Hickson style. I mean, there's different times, right? The, the competition, the level was... Exactly. The bar was much lower. But if you put Hillis or Chavez in the same ring as like um, Floyd Mayweather or uh, who's, who's the other guy? Um, Clanello? No, not Clanello. He, he's um, uh, a boxer. He kind of like got promoted under Floyd Mayweather. Oh, um, duh, I think I know you're talking... Tank, they call him Tank. Tank, 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 Tank Davis. Tank yeah, Davis, right? Yeah. If you put him in the same ring as Tank Davis, like, who knows what might actually happen? Like, Tank Davis might actually smoke him, right? To, so, to a point Grahalis made, right? Like, we now have more information, strength and condition, exactly. like, all these other things. Exactly. Right? And motherfucker, he was just a doing cocaine before fights, right? <laughs> that, yeah. yeah. So, shout out to him. Shout out to uh, El Gran Campeón Mexicano, right? Yeah. So, um, so... If you put these two together in the Punjabi death pit, right, is that a measure of greatness, right? If you had the time machine and you had, like, the the, the sensu bean and you threw them the sensu bean, like, would they be able to, like, knock each other out? Who For knows, sure. right? Uh, my personal definition is over the career, right? Yeah. Regardless of, like, the sustenance of the actual career because, I mean, that's what builds up the entire, like, reputation of the sport. Yeah. Right? It's so, also much easier to, like, these things are all subjective anyways. For but sure. it, it's more objective to say, okay, well, actually... If you look at that person compared to the contemporaries at that time, that that's a much more easier argument to make than to do like the fantasy death battle where it's like, oh, well, you know, back then they didn't know about right. the Mikey Lock. He would have been smoking and all these types of things. It's like, well, who knows? And it, I mean, and I choose Mikey, but it's not like it was by far. I think part of the reason I, I do choose Mikey is because we were able to see that one-on-one versus like the GOAT and like who everybody would consider the person who could beat him. And like where in a lot of sports, you don't see that, right? Like we don't, we never got to see Julio Cesar Chavez versus Tank or like Peyton Manning versus Patrick Mahomes, like yeah. that that kind of stuff. Um, or Fedor versus John Jones. Right. Yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah. So like there, there is that level of like we, the, the what ifs. Um, but now nah, I'm gonna choose Mikey. Okay. So now we're gonna go on to the women's rooster weight division, right? Is it called rooster weight, the smallest weight class? Yes. Okay. Uh, they they so, all have the same uh, uh, names, like relative to yeah, the, yeah. each other. Great. So, quick break from our episode to give a shout out to our sponsor, you. 
If you would like to have your ad read on the Latinx Guard podcast, or if you know somebody else who would like to have an ad read on the Latinx Guard podcast, reach out to us on Instagram at Latinx Guard Podcast. If you are a Patreon subscriber and you would like an extra shout out to the show, maybe a call out, maybe a super fight opportunity, please reach out to us at patreon.com forward slash Latinx Guard Podcast. We love all the support, but if you would like to have an extra 30 seconds on the pod dedicated specifically for you, go to patreon.com forward slash Latinx Guard Podcast and let's see what we can work out. This is kind of weird because up until um, what I just found out while I was researching this, up until 2016, they actually didn't have a, a rooster weight class, yeah. right? They I had think a light feather, was it? Light yeah, right? light feather. So this is actually kind of like a trick answer, but not really. Um, Rikako, Rikako Yuasa, right? The first Japanese world uh, IBJF world champion, right? Um, she is a four-time world champion in two different weight classes. Now, of course, that's because in 2015 she had to compete in the featherweight weight class, and then when the rooster weight weight class was invented, she went back to her natural weight class. So she was always fighting up, right? Um, but she's a four-time world championship, a four-time world champion to the point where in, I believe I have it right here, 2019, she was actually beaten and dethroned by Maisa Bastos. Now this is where me and Giovanni are going to have a hate fest, right? I uh, maybe, I don't know. So you're making, you're making some valid points. I thought I was going to hate Matt hard, but I'm, you're making valid points. Right. So Maisa Bastos has, has won that world championships for the past three years in that weight class. Mm-hmm. Right. So currently she is the queen of the rooster weights. But Rikako has four years, has, has the other year on her, right? So in my definition that we just went over, Maisa would have to beat um, everybody in that, in that weight class another two times to become a five-time world champion in order to overtake Rikako in that class, right? That's my personal opinion on it. I think for right now, Rikako has that um, weight class on lock for at least another two years, and that's if Misa manages. And I, I fully expect Misa to do this. So I, I think in a previous episode, I was like, Misa's the queen. She's the next GOAT. I love Misa. I trained with her once. She smacked me. She, like, pulled down my pants and spanked oh, my bottoms, no. right? Ray's it going crazy. Cra- <laughs> this is going to have to be edited out. Okay, so cut yeah, that out. I love Misa because she did stuff to me. So I think Misa Bastos <laughs> is going to eventually overtake Rikako as the greatest of all time in that weight class, but it hasn't happened yet, right? I still think Rikako is the best. Um, roosterweight female grappler of all time. Um, damn, you made very valid and logical points, and I cannot take um, the irrational approach I would like to because then we'd be here forever. I was going to say Maisa was my um, rooster, and while I agree, I think for what you said and based on our previous weight class, but I'm going to agree with you in Rikako being the roosterweight champ, especially because Maisa she has gone to rooster and light feather and i think light feather um i don't know she, she she's also, too small she's she's too small but like at the same time she's also proven that light feather she treats it just like rooster weight so yeah. for like the i'm gonna put i mean spoiler i'm gonna put maisa as my favorite for the next weight class because i'm not gonna put her here whereas in rikako she's done a lot for the country of japan and yeah. in the sport of jiu-jitsu she's done for the for women in the sport of jiu-jitsu so um it would be unjust to not give her the you know the greatest of all time and, and like you said right the rooster weight division was added what 2016 you said yeah so that's very recent so before that she was like maisa right but she's the og she was before and she was competing um with the bigger women because she was trying to put on for her people or yeah. whatever. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to agree with Ray on that one, um, mostly because there's another weight class I can put my ace So, on. here's the thing. If we also, like, we don't have to, like, put in the time machine and for sure. like Punjabi death pit. Yeah, Just yeah. look at 2017. Maisa's 
spanks Rokako, right? Oh, for it's, sure. It's not, a, it's not a close competition. I think she scores like four points on, on her, I think, and then maintains that lead throughout the 10 minutes. It didn't end in submission, right? Yeah. But it, it was a very handed win. Like, um, Misa was very dominant in the entire yeah. uh, match. So you can, like, if you want to contradict um, what I'm saying and be like, no, Misa literally beat um, yeah, the no, world no. champion to take over the podium. Like, sure, that's a valid argument. But I'm just speaking pure numbers, no, number right. of championship rings. Rikako has it. Right. And, so, and, and, and I'm sorry. I'm going to be a contrarian because I didn't remember what Rikako's name was like five minutes ago until Ray started talking. But I'm going to be a contrarian just because you guys aren't saying it. When a weight class comes out, in this case, like, oh, wake up, babe. They just dropped a new weight class because we just realized we have more than three people who can make it. Like we were talking about before with Bruno Malfacine. So they, they have a new weight class. These women who are fighting up in weight drop down, which is something that happens in these young combat sports, like Dominic Cruz, who is like a 135-pound weight uh, champion. He was fighting at like 155 for like a lot of his earlier career because he didn't have 135, right? But anyways, my point is they have this new weight class. She comes out. She dominates, blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, that's cool. But also, like, who was she dominating? Like, the weight class just started. And, and in a lot of ways, I, I feel like it's unfair to weigh that that like um, the parody from the time that that vision first started to like later weight classes. It's kind of the same thing when you look at people, like if you're going to look at NBA champions and you're going to say, oh yeah, you know, um, so-and-so Bill Russell, he had 10 titles in the sixties, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but if you look at who they were, if you look at what the NBA looked like in the 1960s, it's not the same as now. And that's, that kind of goes to the whole like Punjabi pit thing. Well, it's like, well, Bill Russell wouldn't be the same now, but it's also like the league didn't have as much parody in, 19, in the 1960s as it does now in the 2020s. And even though we're looking at much shorter timelines, I still think that rings extremely true for like a sport as young as jiu-jitsu is, where when this, you know, they first have the weight class, they first start having these tournaments, it's like, oh yeah, the, the person who's like a little bit undersized for the next smallest weight class is winning, but just because she was winning, that's great. But I think the fact that she, when she first started going up against, you know, the next generation she's getting smoked or she's getting stunned or however you want to put it. I, I think that points to the fact that maybe we shouldn't count it as like a one for one. Oh, she has five titles and this person has three titles. Ergo five is better than three. I, I don't really think that's how it works. I mean, I that's, think that's how it works. I mean, five well, is better than three. <laughs> I, I, uh, I agree to some extent, um, but for Rikako, I'm going to offer some pushback. She's not as active as she once was, and that's yeah. a fact, especially since COVID. And like, I, I know yeah, that I think like she actively retired. Uh, she might have retired, right? And and I think that is part of it. Like this is a younger athlete's yeah. game. Um, but she did win gold at the ADCC trials in 2019. She won silver at the Worlds in 2019. She won gold in 2018. Yeah. Um, it seems like her last competition was World 2019. So to the point about like right before the pandemic. Yeah. So like she's eight. She was still able to, I guess compete with the newer generation but yeah i think that it's harder to be able to keep up with a young sport like jiu-jitsu because it's growing at such a fast pace you see a lot of like like the buggy chokes just came out like two years ago or not that it came out but it just became part of the meta like two years ago and now you see it everywhere like yeah. the, the game is evolving so fast and i think like where Ray, I think, made a lot of valid points is, like, what she's done from the beginning, I guess, of her black belt career, like, because she was competing outside. Like, she won Worlds at Brown Belt as well. So she was, she's not like she just came in here and, you know, just, like, started beating scrubs. Like, she was just competing against whoever showed up. Um, and I think because she's, I guess, an OG and especially, like, the accolades are there, the time, the, and she was able to do it up until the moment that she stopped competing actively. Um, I think that puts her above Maisa, especially because it's not like 
it's not like we're saying that at least I'm not saying that Maisa it's not Maisa versus Ricardo here it's like Maisa's still competing she can be put in light featherweight like great so let's move on to the <clears throat> light featherweight weight class right everything I just said about five being greater than three right that we should look at the overall career oh. not at the individual person oh I am going to contradict myself on my own podcast, right? Because my greatest of all time for the life featherweight class is Paulo Meow. The he has steroid cheat, steroid cheat, infamous steroid cheat. By the <laughs> way, Ray hates steroids and steroid cheaters. Wait, didn't Supposedly. Paulo only compete at life feather like twice? Yeah, and he actually won both times. Oh god, the one hundred percent success rate. All right, he now won, we going. So here, here's where the hate is, right? right? He won two times at the both times that he competed at life featherweight, and one of those times he was rescinded, right? It got invalidated, and he was disqualified for steroids. And we talked about this before, where you were like, oh, it doesn't count. It doesn't you got to take it away. Yeah. It was Wait, invalidated. was it the second time a closeout? Yes, the second time was a closeout between him. No, wait. The third time was a closeout between him and his brother. Yeah, but didn't, like, the third person train at, like, fucking... Yeah, so Col yeah. that whole... Okay, oh, okay, okay, okay. yeah. Okay, so, okay, okay. Okay, so uh, he has, yeah. he's won for three, according to Ray's I think, logic, like, I think like, like in 2014... No, it can't have been 10 years ago. Nah, it was, I'm getting the years all mixed up. But in one year, Paulo Miao wins his first Black Belt World title, right? It's popped for steroids. That's it. Doesn't count anymore. Then the second year, comes back after being popped for steroids, wins the tournament again after his suspension. So it's actually, like, two years afterwards because he has to serve, like, a year. Then, like, uh, invalidates that year for him, and then he get, comes back and wins. But then the year after that, he and his brother close out the finals, and he gives it to his brother, right? Jirao Miao. So Jirao Miao is also a world champion. But then the people in, like, third and fourth place are also his teammates. So they did, like, the quadruple closeout, right? Yeah. It was, like, um, Hiago George. You win your first match, and then you're world champion. Yeah. Thiago George and then some other, Ronaldo de Souza Barbosa or whatever his name is. Uh, I'm sure he's a great athlete, right? I'm sure. <laughs> but it was like Thiago George, Jao Miao, Paulo Miao. They were all Sister Costa flags, all Sister Costa nut riders, right? And they just closed out the entire podium. Now, I this is why I believe Paulo Miao is the greatest life featherweight of all time. Now, there are some very good arguments. There are going to be people be in my DMs and be like, what about... Um, Guy Mendez, Guy Mendez, four-time world championship in that world in that weight class, and he didn't close out with his brother. His brother, like they specifically did different weight classes to not close out together, right? They wanted world championships on their own accord. So Guy Mendez, four-time world champion, very good argument, right? But I don't believe that Guy Mendez revolutionized the sport as much as Paulo Miao did, right? Now I'm not saying that Paulo Miao created some secret sauce or invented Miao guard or whatever, right? But the Marambolo revolutionized jujitsu for at least four to six years. They were, they were absolutely dominating the scene with one specific technique that no one had ever really studied before. It's kind of like how Keenan introduced like Worm Guard, and we'll mm -hmm. get into that if we have time, right? But specifically how one person revolutionized the sport by introducing a technique that if you didn't, if you didn't start practicing Barambolo, like, dude, you, you were left behind. Yeah, um, some uh, promotions changed their rules because of the Barambolo, yeah. so yeah. I think of it like not in terms of like accolades, but but also specifically like um, influence on the sport in general. I think that the Meow's popularization of the Barambolo propelled so many other athletes into stardom. Gianni Grippo, Mikey Musameshi. Mm -hmm. um, some would even say uh, Shane Shane Hill Taylor, right? He was a huge Barambolo guy in the Absolutely. colored ranks. He was actually a counter Barambolo guy. Like that would he his counter Barambolo wouldn't have been as specialized if the Barambolo medal wasn't a thing. Yeah. So who knows, right? Uh, now I'm doing like, oh, if so and so did this and so and so did this, like it's a butterfly effect, so, right? That's where I was gonna start being a hater, which was. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is MK, a huge fan of the Latinx podcast. If you would like to be part of the show and do a recording, including 
but not limited to intros, ad reads, and shoutouts, consider going to patreon.com forward slash latinxguard podcast and subscribe to the Chingong of the Year tier. You'll get all the benefits of the previous tiers, such as early episodes, uncut edits, and shoutouts on the show, and you get to be in my spot right now. Fame never felt so good. Be part of the show today. Patreon.com forward slash LatinXGuard podcast. I was going to say that, like, by your metrics, we should have John Danaher as one of the goats of all time of competition. So some could argue that he is one of the goats in terms of coaching, right? Yeah. So he, some would say that he is the goat of all time when it comes to, like, one-on-one specific or team coaching. Yes. So I, but, I would also argue that. But so, but my point is, is like if you're going to make the argument for, okay, well, this this athlete was able to propel other athletes, and they were able to change the sport because of what they did, and and this that or whatever, or because of like some sort of technical innovation. The guys at AOJ have been making like huge technical innovations, and a lot of that coaching wise hasn't been Hoffa. It's been Gee. It's been Gee. Yeah. It's been Gee pushing. All I don't these know guys. what the hell Hoffa. Does. <laughs> no, well, that, I mean that's like a separate thing. Was yeah. I don't know what Hoffa's doing. Like yeah. whatever. Like Good he'll for pop him. up every once in a while, like yeah, a Godfather. But. Like he'll be in the background of the picture, hanging out with his kids. <laughs> yeah. That's what's up. But, but for, like from an outsider's perspective, it looks like Gee Mendes is running this program. Gee Mendes is you know training up all these athletes, uh, Colabate, all the Colabate clones, all these all these guys. And a lot of it is like technical innovations, right? It's not just like a, it's like a systemized thing as far as like taking care of the athletes. And it's also like pushing forward like different techniques, both in his own career, like the way where he would, he would bolo to the leg drag and all these types of things. Yeah. So if we're going to make the argument, well, you know, this athlete had a great career as far as like what they actually did on the mat, but also their influence changed the sport. If we're going to play that argument, A, John Danaher has to be the greatest goal the competition go ever and he's never competed or B, if you're going to play that argument, then you have to say, well, Guy Mendes has had a greater influence on the sport from what he's done as far as like his team, which he did partially, you know, through his competition success. I mean, I guess the only argument you can make if, if I'm going to argue against myself, like LARPing as Ray would be that the specific technical innovation of Baron Bolos yeah. was so awesome that it pushed everyone forward. But like, I mean, then I guess I had to become a Baron Bolo truther and say, well, yeah, actually, this other guy did Baron Bolo's Naga in 1994 or some yeah. bullshit. And I'm not going to do that because I didn't come prepared <laughs> with that knowledge. But I don't know. Fuck the meows. <laughs> yeah. No, the meows are cool. No. Full disclaimer, Paolo Meow is a steroid cheater, right? He I'm down got, with steroids. He got caught. He got legalized that was, that was Raimundo. That was Raimundo Gonzalez. That was Raimundo Gonzalez. When I go to Studio 1908, I love you. Paulo Meow and other Meow, <laughs> even though I can't tell the difference. You're both great. What about you, Giovanni? Who's your I'm life the third Meow. Um, I'm going to just keep it short. I'm going to go with Guy Mendez. One, to disagree with Ray, but okay. two, I think that, um, I do think that, like, it, it's always, you can always go in circles, right? Because there's, you can always make an argument for so many people, that, and, like, if one thing can outweigh more. If I'm taking, like, the overall, I'm just, like, looking at all the stats and, like, yes, what you've done for the sport, what you've done in your competition, um, also, relevancy is part of it, right? And I think that, like, if Rokako didn't, like, going back to our previous week, if Rokako wasn't competing up until 2019, she might, I might not have given it to her, but because she still, 2019 wasn't that long ago, it was like four or five years ago, uh, I'm going to go with Guy. He continues to influence the sport. We see it through his athletes, to his teachings, to his school. Like, he's still a very prominent figure, but he left his, he, he left his mark years ago, right? And, like, this is before they retired. Like, he was, he was one of the innovators, like, 
we give a lot of shit about people training at other gyms, but him and his brother were going everywhere, training everywhere, just trying to be like, yo, we are different. We're trying to make this thing, uh, modernize the sport, whatever it was their intention was. Before they, they suspiciously retired. Before they yeah. suspiciously retired. Um, I also want to preface that I do not encourage any substance abuse, uh, especially in minors, but yeah, Guy Mendes, greatest light featherweight of all time, male. Now we're going to go into female light featherweights. My greatest of all time female life featherweight. And again, this is completely contradicting. I said everything I said about like five being <laughs> greater than three <laughs> is Tammy Musumeshi, right? She only has one world title, uh, one Gi world title to her name. I think she has like two Nogi world titles. I, um, I think it's something like that. Yeah. yeah. But Tammy Musumeshi is my greatest of all time. Now, I'm also going to contradict what I said, whereas like <laughs> she didn't make any great innovations to like the techniques. She also didn't like. Um, revolutionized the sport with like her attitude or she was like just the uke in uh, Mike Mushimashi's yeah. ankle lock videos the reason why I'm giving her greatest of all time is because I think her story is very impressive right she, during the entire thing of her training camp in order to become a world champion during her um, her actual like competition she was a full time lawyer right yes. she now a lot of people believe that if you need if you want to become a, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world championship uh, cha- champion you have you to be drop, a bum you gotta be a bum you gotta be a gym rat Right, you gotta eat chicken and rice every single day. You cannot have a professional career. You gotta sleep on the mats. You cannot go to college. You, you have to give everything up to pursue Brazilian Jiu Jitsu full time. And Tammy Musumeshi proved that this is not true. She was in law school the entire time that she was training. She was a full time lawyer, right? I think she was in law school and graduated, and then also got a job to become a lawyer, which is a lot to do, right? right? Just for anybody, like in real life. But on top of that, she also became a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu world champion. Right. So I think that it is a great story, something that is overlooked. So, uh, And I think it's partially because she doesn't really talk about it that much. She's not like that much of an open person. I think like her Instagram following is very small and I think she likes it that way yeah. and more power to her. Right. But I think that's a very inspirational story that if you want to do something, just do it. Right. Just just do it. If, if you're like, no, I'd have to give up my wife and kids. No, I, I like my job as an engineer. Like you can also do that and become a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion. And she didn't get popped for steroids. And she didn't get popped for steroids. Right. Salute. Hey everybody, a quick break from the show to talk about one of our sponsors, Show Your Roll. If you're just starting out, get yourself a Show Your Roll Gi. I honestly got my blue belt and purple belt instantaneously once I put on a Show Your Roll Gi. That is showyourroll.com. Hey folks, this is Jobani taking a break from our episode to shout out our sponsor, CMB. Thank you, uh, CMB, for sponsoring our episodes. If you're looking for delicious coffee, for delicious food, for delicious everything, hit up CMB located on 7th Street between A and B. Quick break from our episode. We humbly request that you pause this episode right where you are and go review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. Also, if you have, we'd love to hear what you think. Go to Instagram at Latin Escort Podcast and comment on our most recent post and tell us what you think about today's episode. Tell us what you think about all the episodes, whether you like or hate. We really appreciate all of the support that we get on any of our platforms. Again, please remember to rate this episode on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts or leave us a comment on Instagram at Latin Escort Podcast. We truly appreciate all the engagement that we can get from you guys. Thank you so much. Back to the episode. So salute to Tammy Musumeji. What about you, Giovanni? Who's your female... 
Life by the way, um, I I was about to contradict myself, but now nah, I'm gonna stick with Maisa. Um, she's the greatest life by the way of all time for all the reasons that we stated. She's won multiple world titles, relevant. I was, I mean, I want to give a shout out to my runner up being Michelle Nicolini. She's an OG. She's an eight time world champion. Salute to them boobies, and you know, yeah, like, you are, I, was like, I was waiting for the thirst trap comments. Oh come yeah, up. no, no, that's a fact. Um, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, um, she definitely like she was uh an OG of the sport. Like she was, she was putting on for women in jiu-jitsu when they didn't have much of a voice like now i know they still that's still a bit of a struggle and we've and the sport continues to grow um but back then it was a lot harder so i'm gonna go with maisa shout out to michelle for nicolini for being the runner-up maisa is the greatest life featherway of all time i would she might be the greatest pound for pound but Grahalis, what about you? i'm gonna vote for nicolini because she had cool mma fights and that's all i care about jiu-jitsu is fake okay so now we're going to go to male featherweights, oh. right? Now, this is one of the most, I guess, um, competitive weight classes of all time, right? There has been a new champion every single year for the past five years, and they are all still actively competing, right? It, and they, it's not even like, oh, this guy's son, this guy, and this guy's son, this guy, so this guy's the top. There are guys who are, like, the guy who won, like, the last um, the one or two years, he lost. Like, Diego Pato has lost. Isaac Dolan has lost. Um, Fabricio Andre, he keeps catching them L's this year. It's not the year for Fabricio Andre, but there was one year where Fabricio Andre was sunning everybody, right? So Fabricio Andre won it in 2021. Yes, yeah. but that's the, year, that's the year he was sunning everybody. Yes. And the previous year, he also made it to the finals, but had to take silver, right? I yes. believe. He, uh, he lost to Mateus Gabriel, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So it, it is a very, very um, uh, popular and competitive weight class. Now, the the main argument is for Hafa Mendes, right? He's six time champion, Michael Jordan, right? But you know, I'm gonna contradict myself again. This is the Ray contradiction soundbite. There's right? no, there's so no internal validity wait, to so Ray's not decision making. No, no, no. You're not like choosing Hafa. I'm not choosing Hafa. Oh, we got. I beef. like this one. We got most... beef off the jump. Yeah, right. it's literally. It's just, I, like, let me. It's just. Like, it should just be Ray's favorite grapplers. Yeah, Ray's boy crushers. That's what it is. All right, all right. Let's so, Ryan Gosling is my. <laughs> 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 Tom Hardy's mine. So uh, my greatest of all time featherweight grappler or featherweight competitor is Isaac Dodelin. Oh. Okay. Like who I you, cool wait, you, bro. What are you talking about? Wait, wait, wait. Okay. That's, that's not where I thought we were going. All right, These me. are the guys who I train with. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, let me I put the clock down real Dorland, quick. And he's cool. Wait, okay. So please explain yourself. So again, the whole thing with uh, Tammy Musumeshi, Isaac Dodelin has a great story, right? He has come so far and come up so short so many times. Fact. I think he said he competed in the World Championship like nine times before he won. And he was thinking about quitting every single time afterwards. Now, at the time that he won, he was 29 years old. Like Kuhala said in like a previous episode, what you come to a certain point as an athlete where you're like, there are only so many more times that I can do this, right? When you're when you're Kolobate and you're 17 years old and you're a black belt, I can literally do this forever. I'm immortal. I'm immortal, right? Like, I have 12 shots to win the world title, and chances are, within the next five, I'm probably going to get it. Yeah. Right? Isaac Dodelin failed time and time and again, and I don't mean that as hate. I mean, he just did. He failed time and time and again to reach the top of the mountain, and and one of his last shots, he did it, right? And he didn't go through punks, right? He submitted a lot of great talent. Like, he beat... um. 
Alex Soldier or Diego Soldier, one of the Soldier brothers, right? In the finals in a very like compelling comeback. Yeah. I think he was down two points, but he was up an advantage and then he sweeped at the last possible minute and then took and snatched that victory right out of he the air. He beat, I think, Samuel Nagai. He tapped out Samuel yeah, Nagai. He broke his leading foot. Up, leading up to the finals. Um, yeah. yeah, that was that was a very... That, that was a brutal ankle lock. Yeah. I mean, he, he broke his foot. He also like tapped out some other guy with a uh, straight foot lock that was insane. Um, I I think it was another world champion. I don't I don't know if it was Fabricio Andre. I don't know if it was Diego Pato, but it, it was it was a very impressive run to the world championship. Now I, I think that Isaac Dordalin has the has the gusto to do it one more time. Um, but unfortunately, last year he lost to Samuel Nagai, uh, who avenged his loss via yes. a crazy armbar. Yeah, it was an that insane was nice. armbar. Um, but just for the story, right? The fact that he was already a father. He just had a kid earlier that year. Um, and he was like, you know, I'm not going to give up. It was like, it was kind of like the Rocky, right? Where it was like a fighter who's coming out of his prime and he doesn't know if he has one more, uh, title, title shot left in him. But yeah. at the end of the day, he does it right. So Isaac Dordalin, my greatest of all time featherweight grappler. Um, I was getting ready to shoot at you. I took the AK out, fucking grenade launcher. Um, but I'm gonna put it away. I'm not going to give it to Isaac because I still think that um, he's still competing. I feel like he still has some stuff to prove to be my GOAT. Um, I don't want to give it to Hoffa because that would be what everybody else gives it to. So That's who I'm going to give it to. Yeah, so you know what? I'm actually going to go all the way, all the way back. Who are you going to give it to? This is crazy. So Ray's not it gave it to Isaac because Isaac had a fucked up story. By Ray's logic, he should give it to people for being ugly. He's like, yeah, this motherfucker <laughs> was really ugly. He won. He came back from. He's just. He has no wrist. He had halitosis. He has halitosis, but he still became world champion. What the fuck? So I hold a lot of feelings about the featherweight weight class. It's the weight class I compete in. So I don't want to give it to anybody, but I'm gonna give it. I'm, I'm gonna give it to Giovanni. Yeah, I'm gonna give it to myself. Nah, I'm gonna give it to Hoffa just because of the accolades or whatever. You fuck. have to give it to Hoffa. Yeah, you. I mean, you kind of have I'm not to. Giving it to Hoffa. Um, you you have to just off the accolades and like, you know, you have to be objective. I mean, and, and I'm objectively speaking, he is probably the greatest. He has the greatest resume. Um, he continued like how long when was the last time he competed and his influence is still seen today. Right. Obviously, his brother as well. But like he did it in Gi and Nogi and Nogi. He, you know, he beat what we were talking about earlier. Right. Like part of it is like, who were you beating to be to win these titles? Like. He was beating what like if if yeah. if um Hoffa he beat Cobrinha like eighteen times. If yeah. Hoffa wasn't around, we'd be talking about Cobrinha the way we do about Hoffa. Yeah. And you know, however whichever side you choose, at the end of the day they're both great, but Hoffa proved that like no matter who you put in front, he was gonna beat him at that weight class. They, he he was going out to Japan and making black belts look like white belts. Like he was dancing all over them, that kind of shit that you do at the gym. Like he was one he of did, those kind of guys. He had a submission name after him, the Hafakanda. Yeah. Whenever so. you get the sub name after you, that's cool. Um, also, he had like a pretty good, like he's not someone who competed a lot at Absolute. But I think he had one Absolute match. It was like a super fight or something with Rodolfo or, or something like that, where he looked pretty good. Like, yeah. he's a beast. He's nice. That's yeah. it. Uh, so, how about you? Even though Paulo Meow is my greatest of all time in life, by the way, even and though he, got, he literally got caught. He got, caught. he got the USADA letter saying you failed the test. You failed. Yep. And we only have conspiracy theories about how Hoffa got the USADA letter, mm -hmm. but then um, got avoided or whatever. You go back to yeah. Iceberg episode part one, right? Um, I still like Paulo Meow better than Hoffa Mendes, and I can't give it to Hoffa Mendes. And, and there's no logic. So, so you see, this is the lack of logic about this. So number one, yeah. Paulo Meow, <laughs> who's confirmed steroid cheat, raised goat. Rafa yeah. Mendez, 
Alleged. Alleged steroid cheat disqualified from being raised goat because his is alleged. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Uh, Grahal, did you want to say anything more about the male featherweight class? No. I already said that. It's hot. Okay. So female featherweight class, right? This, this, there is only one. There is only one who will ever be one. I don't care if one person this is Ray's favorite person in the world wins it. She's gonna get times. her to be on the episode, the podcast soon. She now I wouldn't say only because I have zero. I have negative a million uh, IBGF World Championships, right? But it's Mackenzie Dern, two-time yeah. featherweight world champion in um, IBGF, but she's the greatest of all time. Why? Because of those bikini, bikini pics. That's it. Okay, there you go. That's it. That's why. Because the third stripes on Instagram. Good for you, Ray. <laughs> Good for you. My, like, we're gonna do this podcast. We're gonna take it. We're gonna take it super serious. The, <laughs> there, there's not enough. I, I think the problem with the women's uh, combat sports is that we don't take them seriously. We try to make everything. We try well, to objectify their bodies because of the bikini pics. Oh, her titties are hanging out. <laughs> I like her titties, so she's my goat. I take all. I take all athletes very seriously. Women should be get get paid the most. We shouldn't talk comment about bodies. Oh, her booties, baby. <laughs> Good job, Ray. Um, salute for, but I mean, salute for making sure that you remember how many world titles she had before you talk about titties. Um, you know, salute to Mackenzie Dern for forgetting how to speak English at some point in her life, and then remember, and then learning how to speak it again. Yeah. So she grew up in America. Yes. And if you listen to her, I mean, this is hate for no reason. I'm just hating now because no, I'm this, going the other this way. This is a right. very common Mackenzie Dern complaint. Yeah, but I'm just gonna do it just for people who don't know. Like, if you, you could watch, you could like, she grew up in Arizona. There's yeah. like a YouTube video. There's on a this. YouTube video. Well, it, that that recent UFC girl asked her about it during an interview. Um, I forgot her name. She's very yeah. popular. Yeah, and it's like, it, it's to the point where it's like she's speaking like a typical American woman. And then she goes to Brazil and she starts talking with a little bit of an accent. And then like in the sport in like four years, it's like she's speaking like she doesn't know how to speak English. It's to the point where at a UFC fight, they brought out the translator. Yes. They had the translator in the ring. <laughs> Nina. That's a girl. So Nina asked her about the accent. We're in 2024. We've been no Ray showed me the YouTube video about yeah. how they got from when she yeah. first, you know, when she was younger. Hey it's guys. Crazy. Yeah, she speaks like a valley girl. She speaks like she's going to get her Stanley Cup. And then like all of a sudden, like her her American accent degrades, and then she starts yeah. speaking with like the the, the Portuguese slur. Yeah, yeah. Hanacha. So it's it's crazy. crazy. What about you, uh, Giovanni? Who's your? I'm gonna go with uh, Bianca Basilio. She's okay. a two-time world champion. She's okay. also won ADCC. Um, salute to Mackenzie Dern. She is. She was uh, great during her time. She has a great resume um, and a great great attributes. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Bianca Basilio. What I'm gonna you, I'm gonna pick Mackenzie Dern because again, the same reason as before. Well, I thought you were going to say same reason as Ray. No, <laughs> not, no, I'm not, I'm not getting played out like that. <laughs> She's at the top of my feet. <laughs> it's because she has a good MMA career, so I'm, I, I follow MMA much no, more closely. she close. doesn't. She's lost like the last three of her fights. She has a better MMA career than everyone we've talked about so far. <laughs> okay. And and I'm someone who I follow MMA much much more closely than I follow um, jiu-jitsu, competitive jiu-jitsu. And so she just sticks out more to me. Also, she won one of those like, the, she had one of those like stupid wins over Gabby, Gabby Garcia where oh, yeah. she got, they, they fought like four times. She got tapped in three of them, but in one of them, she won on a penalty or something like that. Yeah, People yeah. were like, oh, look, technique being struck. Yeah, yeah. In the same way that uh, Mikey Musumeshi had one of those against C4. Muhammad these, Ali. Yeah, one of these 500-pound idiots. Yeah, and Muhammad and like, Ali wasn't even going that hard. Yeah, he's he like, was I didn't like, want to hurt him. He's like, I don't want to hurt him. So I, and you when you watch the match, you're like, oh, no, the big guy won, and the ref was just being a doofus. Yeah. And that's what happened at McKenzie Dern versus Gabby Garcia. Like, Gabby Garcia put it on her a little bit, but... Whatever is Mackenzie there. Okay. Because I like MMA. So, lightweight grapplers, 
uh, next, right? So the lightweight division, this is when Anthony Grahala starts to recognize some of these names, right? Where he starts to recognize them as human beings. So <clears throat> we're going to go with lightweight grapplers. Now, uh, Giovanni, why don't you go first on this one? Lightweight grapplers. Damn, JT Torres. What are we, I mean, lightweight grapplers. Oh, fuck. I'm going to go with JT off the rip because that's the first name that came to my head. But when I, when I think, okay. I, I, know we're I know he hasn't won a Gi World title. Um, if we're going, that's why it's hard. Right. I say, I'm going to be a little bit of a hater and ask a clarifying question. Are we going to count Marcelo as a lightweight or a middleweight? Because that's something I've seen some arguments about. I, I think middleweight. middleweight. All, all okay. those five world championships are in the middleweight class. Um, so, okay, here's the thing. I guess if we're talking about overall, I would go with JT. But if we're going to keep it under IBJJF, I'm going to go with Lucas Lepre. He is a four or five time world champion. He's, he's he was like seven. Seven, whatever yeah, the case is. like a million. Yeah, yeah. So he was at one point just like the king of the lightweight. Like yeah. while every division, like the featherweight race had uh, the last five years has been a different champion. Not lightweight division had the same one for like ever. Um, that said... I'm going to go with Lucas Lepre uh, because of his resume, what he's done for the sport, and how he's like been a great representative of... He, he's out of Checkmat or Alliance? It, oh. oh, wait. Um, Lucas, Lucas Lepre? Lepre? Yeah. I think he's out of Alliance. Yeah. So, I mean, w whatever flag he represents, he's done a good job. But, like, like when... He's done such a good job that Joe Biden doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no. Like but, like, that, and that's how but, much, right? Because when you think of, like, big names like Lucas Lepre, right? And, he has and, a huge school. Yeah. I, I hear all the time people... When they're out in wherever it is, I, know, I think it's like North Carolina, right? Or something, yeah, something yeah. like that. It's one of those states, and they're like, oh, I train in his gym, and it's like a gym in the quote unquote the middle of nowhere. That's my right. bias as as a native New Yorker, but it's like a massive fucking gym. Right. They have a great program. There's like hundreds of people on the mats yeah. in a place that's not associated with that type of thing. I and, mean, and like for I'm sorry, because but like for being around as long as he's been, and to not have really heard negative, you know. News like we hear about some of the top. He wasn't an iceberg episode two. That's what sure. I mean, right? So like, I think um, he's also just been a great role model. So how can you not admire that, right? You know, to to be uh, a he's never been tested positive or caught, um, but to be a clean athlete, to kind of just be a lot of what we've spoken about plenty of times that we need more of in the sport. Um, so yeah, he's gonna be my IBJJF goat. It has to be Lucas Lepre. What about um, you? So it's going to be Lucas Lepre for you too, guys? Yes, because, I mean, like, he, he's won for so long at... at, a, at oh, Just time. like you said. Six, six time. yeah. Just like you said, this is where I start to recognize him as human beings at, like, a competitive weight class. It's not like the, you know, 103-pound, emaciated baby weight class. It's not like the 500-pound fat, fat lord weight class. Yeah. This is a weight class where there's a lot of people. Like, when you look at the tournaments in general, it, it, this is when it starts to cluster up. And yeah. this is when the, there's, like... Well, not at black belt worlds because, you know, you have to qualify to get in. But at these non-qualified matches, like when you look at like um, Euros or whatever, these these weight classes are massive. Yeah. And for him to be winning for that at, at that at that level for that long is incredibly impressive. Even if you were to look at him um, and this is going to like my own biases, like looking at him doing absolute matches. Because I just talked about all these all these guys. They do an absolute match against some fat guy who either is a a bum or some guy who's not a bum who's just being nice to them. Um, when you look at him doing a few absolute matches, he's like sunning those guys. It's not like he's winning by advantage. It's like he's arm barring them. Like a few of the like whenever they're trying to post a video of of like actual black belts, like you know like high level black belts winning these matches and be like, oh look, technique rules all. Almost always it, it, it's Lucas Lepre because he's one of the few guys who it's like he was smaller. He was a lightweight beating up a guy who's like 400 pounds. And of course, you know, that, that guy sucked, but he beat him. He didn't just score like a fake advantage on him and then kill the clock. Yeah. He tapped him out. 
And you know what? Shout out to him because when people talk about training with him, that this is another example. We're going to go to like the gym stories. I've heard a lot of people talk about training with him and being like, oh, he is like, he's like unreal. Like he's, yeah. he's like not a human being. Matt Monster. He's Matt Monster. It's like every move he's doing is just like, it's just like the regular move. It's just like, oh, he's doing perfect play jujitsu. It's like yeah. he's the AI that figured out this is how you're supposed to ju do jujitsu. He's and big this blue. Is, yeah. And this is what I'm supposed to do. But when he's doing it to me, even though on tape it looks normal, it doesn't feel normal. It's like I remember one person said that they were rolling with him and he passed this guy's guard with one hand and was took out his phone out of his gi and answered it and was talking while he was armbarring him. Just like silly shit like that. Yeah. So, you know, shout out I've, to Lucas. I've also heard like this common uh, folk legend about uh, Lucas Lepre that he balloons up to like 190 like outside of competition, Damn. right? So even though he competes at 168 in the gi, so he yeah. has to weigh in closer to around like 164 pounds. Yeah. Um, I've heard that Lucas Lepre like balloons up to 190 like outside of competition and that he just feels enormous on the mat. Right, like this guy does not feel like like we've also had like these kind of like um um I guess observations about other like lightweight grapplers like JT Torres. People have told me that I mean not people. Jobani has told me that he feels like the Snitch. heaviest grappler like top pressure that he's ever felt. I, I think I've to heard this Keenan day, say that yeah. Too. Now to yeah. this day, JT is probably one of the most densest people that or the densest pressure I felt when somebody tries to pass my guard for yeah. sure. So, I mean, it could just be a sense like they understand like top pressure really well and are able to like establish this um, through like the tension in their body. And they maybe the jiu-jitsu brain ridge that but, allows them to do stuff that's yeah. different. But I have also heard that Lucas Lepre just like, it's, it's like, um what's it called? Uh, uh, Patty the Batty, right? He just like has like an eating disorder. And just <laughs> yeah. like outside of the competition, he just like eats pizza like in, and uh, chicken and burgers, right? Um, now, my lightweight grappler um, or goat of all time, right? It's a tie. And it's a tie between that's two fake. different people. Ties and, are fake. <laughs> well, that's funny because I was uh, I had a tie for the next one. So I have to give it to my best friend, right? My real life best friend. We hang out all the time. Tyro, this is crazy. <laughs> Wait, you he's give it nineteen to years old. He's not. Yeah. Oh, the nineteen year old is the goat already. Oh shit! How did he do that? So all right, please. He that is because it's because my best friend. That's why. He can't oh. get into bars legally. How can he be the GOAT? <laughs> and also, we have to say, he didn't win his um, oh, yeah. uh, his world title in the most orthodox fashion, right? He didn't win it. <laughs> That's how he won it. He won it by not winning it. He won it by losing to Mika Galvao. All right. I, I, okay. I, this, I feel like this list, this, the greatest of all time list took a turn, and now we're no longer being serious. So, <laughs> well, that's how I felt the whole time. It's like, we were talking about athletes. I'm like, oh, you mean you're going to talk shit? Yeah. Well, I thought we were, when we started, you made some valid points, and now we're like, oh, no, Kate get, uh, Ty gets it because he didn't win it, and he's my homie. He, Ty wins it because he lost to Mika Galvao, who I hate. Yeah. Word. But here, here's what <laughs> yeah, I'm going to okay. really bug out, right? Oh, <laughs> my Ty... Is with Leandro Lowe. And, what? Okay. and and Jesus knows the beef that I have with Leandro Lowe. Okay, but we're Ray, 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 speaking. Ray, Ray's beefing with the, a dead man yeah. because this dead man did steroids. And by the way, Ray just picked eight people who are confirmed steroid <laughs> Yeah. So Ray's like, oh yeah, meow, he's the greatest, he's the goat, blah, blah, blah. Steroid cheater. Yeah, but he's my boy. Yeah, but he's my boy. So I believe that Leandro Lowe is one of the greatest, not only... Um, 
lightweight grapplers of all time, but one of the greatest grapplers of all yeah, time. Yeah, well, right? I mean, I think he's one of those ones where it's like, especially with him, what weight class are you going to put him in as far as like, yeah. oh, we're going to do weight class based? Well, his first two world championships were in the lightweight division. Around and that time, he was killing in Copa Podio as He well. was killing in Copa Podio. He was being uh, Michael Langley, who like, Michael Langley had like the impassable guard, right? Yeah. It was crazy. But here's why I really appreciate Leandro Lowe. I think he kind of like, the same thing with Pauli Miao, I think he kind of revolutionized Gi passing for like a while. Right, yeah. he was doing like leg drags, chaining Toriandos. People even call it the low drag, right? Where he was like kind of like passing Toriando to like the same side as the Delahiva guard, which not a lot of people did, right? They kind of like threw the legs to the opposite side, and his like method of passing and hit chaining combination attacks and like actively posting on the floor, like the low post. People didn't really see this type of passing since like Terror A, yeah. right? Well, I was just, I was just That's thinking was like, um, it's like. He was the 2.0 version of that. Terra Ray yeah. was like, oh, I could do this, boom, boom. And bah, 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 bah. Lowe was like, oh, I can Word? do this I better. Can that too. Yeah, so um, I'm, I, I wouldn't even say that's bugged out at all. I think like that's fair. Tie being the fact that it's a tie with Ty, that's the bugged out part. So here is my like contention, right? I think Ty Rotolo is my best friend. For and sure. And that's why he gets the honorable mention, right? I better be your middleweight pick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think that, uh, I, I think if we're giving like a more serious answer, right. And getting out of the way, sorry, Ty Rotolo, I know you're my best friend. It has to be Leandrolo, right? So it's not really a tie. It's Leandrolo. Um, Fair. I think that, I think that if him versus, I'm, I'm not talking about like super steroid jacked, um, post, um, lightweight Leandrolo. I think lightweight Leandrolo versus Lucas Lepre. I think Leandrolo takes it. If we had the, the, the Punjabi pit time machine, right. Um, but mine has to go to Leandrolo. Okay. Now we're going to do the female lightweight weight classes and i guess we'll go uh and back in regular order um my female lightweight greatest of all time as best friend is fion davis oh you don't even have to bring it over here. i agree with uh, fion is mine yeah fion davis oh that's she is the greatest of all time she's the greatest of all time now her boyfriend is the greatest of all time shout out to (laughs) her all right slow it down slow down there buddy no i'm gonna go so there is a huge argument uh, for Bia Mesquita, right? I think she has the most world titles in, as like a as a female grappler, right? But I'll give you a, another point of contention, right? Fiona Davis broke her arm, snapped it, snapped it like a twig. That 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 was the ADCC uh, like reverse triangle armbar, right? Yeah, that is one of the gnarliest submissions yeah. I've ever seen. It went fully backwards. It went fully backwards. She was spinning it around like a joystick. Yes. Whenever I go to show like. Someone like, oh yeah, this is like the this is the logical conclusion of yes. an armbar. I look for that one, and funnily enough, it's one of those things, kind of like um, when when uh, Mir broke Nog's arm, yeah. it's kind of actually hard to find. Like I gotta go on, on YouTube and I gotta find like a grainy VHS tape. I don't know why, because if I broke someone's arm like that, I would have it pinned. Yeah. <laughs> I would have it pinned at the top of my Instagram. <laughs> like, look, at I would have them tagged in it. Yeah, because that's the ultimate example. I mean, now we're talking about oh, this is the greatest career, but I mean, this moment is so crazy. That is the ultimate example of. Sometimes you're caught in a submission and you feel the bloodlust and you're like, now nah, I'm going to get out. And <clears throat> I've come very close to having that in competition. And I'm someone who I'll tell you, when people go to compete, I'm like, when you compete for the first time, tap. Like when you get stuck in a position, you normally tap, tap. And yeah. I and I have tapped when I've been caught in submissions. But I've had the moment where I'm on the, I'm like very adjacent to a submission. And I'm like, I've never actually done it, but I've had the thought for a second. I'm like, I won't tap. Like, yeah. I'm like, this man has to kill me. I won't tap to this armbar. If he breaks it, I don't care. I'm going to get out and then I'm going to pass his guard. But that's so stupid yeah. because you're like, you're down a million points and it's not like your arm got popped because it's not like she got popped and oh, yeah. it's going to feel weird tomorrow. It's like her arm was snapped. Yeah. It was like a, it was like it gravel. Bent backwards. It bent backwards. It was spinning in circles. Yeah. And she was still not tapping. And yeah. it's like, you're not going to get out and then score 30 points. 
and you're not going to submit her with, yeah. with no arm. Like, what are you doing? It, it's it's funny you say that because, yeah, that is stupid. Ray was there when that happened to me. I tore my hamstring and I was like, All right, I'm going to go fight. I'm going to continue yeah. the fight. I continued and I couldn't get up. Yeah. And I was like, no, I want to continue the fight. No. Yeah. Ray was there. He, Ray had to help me off those mats. It, yeah. it, it was it was bad. So, yeah, no. Because the bloodless happens, but. You're there. You're in the moment. You're like, no, ego steps in. You don't want to fucking take that loss. Fion, greatest light feather. Or light women. So, every single time that I, I've also started using this example where I put somebody like an armbar position, like um triangle armbar. It's typically like a triangle armbar where you have like such a secure method of control over the shoulders, plus you have the armbar, yeah. right? That, so that, either that was a submission. Like a triangle from the back or like, let's say you have the step over triangle from top side control and then you can literally... I tell this all the time because I saw it from Kahala's. I can literally move your arm around like a joystick, just moving around three sixty degree circle, yeah, and I'm gonna tap. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna tap you out, yeah. right? Because that's the level of control that Fionn Davis had. Like she wasn't gonna let go, and it's and she it's spun a, it. It's a gnarly video, dude. It's not even like. Like one of those videos where you're you're watching it's a non like, Why did they tap? Yeah, and, but you hear like the you hear like the the crack like a broomstick um yeah. popping right and ah. you're but you don't really see the arm like bend that way you just hear the snap and that makes your monkey brain go oh that's oh, go, that was gross bad. right arm's yeah. not supposed to make no. that sound. You watch that video, her arm is twirling like 360 degrees around her elbow joint. It's crazy, right? It, it is just completely limp. It is terrible to watch, right? And props to Fionn Davis for having that dog in her where. Because if I had the bloodlust in me, because just like Rahala said, where like when you're in a competition for the first time and you're caught in an arm bar, just tap because the just guy tap. the guy is probably ready to break your arm, yeah. right? I have also been in a position where I have been the guy ready to break somebody's arm. Yeah. But I will fully say to myself, I don't think I have it in me to after I hear the pop, because I, I have popped people in competitions and immediately afterwards, I'll be like, yo, ref, I just popped this guy. Should I keep going? And then typically the other guy will be like, nah, you popped me, I tap, right? Or the ref will be like, yeah, I'm going to stop this. It's happened twice. I popped the guy's foot. I, I look at the ref and he goes, you didn't tap. And then, but the other guy was like, nah, I'm not getting out of this. Plus, it's, you're only going to pop me again, right? So yeah. he, he's like, nah, I actually tap. And then the other time where I popped this guy, the ref heard it and he stopped the match, right? So I've popped people, but also I can't imagine myself being the person who like hears like two or three pops and was like, nah, let's go for nine. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm going I'm to kill you. Yeah. Like Fionn Davis, it's obviously broken, and then she breaks it more, and then she breaks it even she, more. She's like, it looks like she's spinning it around so that the meat comes off of the rest of the body, like a like a crocodile. It was crazy. So shout and out she's to making the crazy, Davis. She, she's making the crazy murder face. Oh, crazy and, murder face. And when I'm like full rolling and I'm bullshitting with the blue belt, and sometimes I grab a, an armbar, if I know people are watching, I'll, I'll make this silly murder face. Yeah. But she's not joking. No. She's, she's trying to fucking kill it. She's trying to amputate her arm. Yeah, it's crazy. Shout out to Fionn Davis. Best lightweight grappler uh, in the world, okay? So, I didn't know how long this was going to take. We still have middleweight, uh, medium heavy, heavy, super heavy, absolute. There's 50 million weight classes. There's 50 so million I, weight classes. I knew we were going to be here for a while. Okay. So, we're actually going to have to split this up into a two-part episode, right? A three-part episode. Shout out to Maybe. Pendejo of the Week, right? Ooh. Worst grappler of all time. Worst, gra worst geek grappler of all time, Dylan Dennis, right? Absolute jobber. Right, showed up to every single. Um, I would smoke him right now. IBGF, like oh, that's a world champion. Because like, I don't think I'm, he's trained in like two years. <laughs> I'm ready for this smoke. Right, he would like make all the Instagram posts, and he would get sunned like the second round. Right, Wait, he's crazy. He's he got tapped by all time. By all time, he got tapped by he got tapped by the, the, the Kmart like a security guard. Bro. He got tapped by some guy who did the trial class. Yeah, nah, yeah. He's the, is, I, we should we might have to give him Pendejo of the month or some shit. All right, so Pendejo of the week when it comes to I, gi athletes, Dylan Dennis it was terrible. Okay, um. 
Shout out to all our sponsors. If you're listening to this on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, this should be the first episode we have ad reads. Thank you so much to our sponsors, CMB Cafe and Showyworld.com, Showyworld.com, Showyworld.com. Thank you so much to our patrons on Patreon. Thank you to the Chingons of the Week, the backbones of the show. We would not have this show without the Chingons of the Week. Ma Chingons, we still love you. That's why we put you at the front of the show. If you would like exclusive access to a lot of our content, go to Patreon.com. Forward slash Latin Guard Podcast. If you would like to become a Chingon or a Mas Chingon of the Week, so you read it, so your name is read at the beginning of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Latin Guard Podcast. Shout out to Tim Watson, Jim O'Brien, Kitta Chfong, Alex Bez, Big Leo BJJ, Michael Constantiner, Ellen Chang, Melin Patel, Oscar Little Cruz, Congaman, Vanzetti, and John Bronzo. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. Thank you to everybody for listening. Please rate us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Leave us five stars. Anything less than five stars, we're coming for your stupid ass. Come. That's it. Right? Gabriel Souza, congratulations on your girlfriend. Congratulations, winning. sir. Oh, um, congratulations on your more recent uh, win. And, and Fion, they went out to the ADXC and they killed it out there. It was cute. It's like Perfect. The cage thing. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Episode 37 signing off. Bye.